Hello, this podcast is for worship on January 26. Uh, We begin with prayer. O Lord, your power is greater than evil. Shake us from complacent acceptance of all that brings pain and injustice in our world and visit us with your mighty healing spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And our reading comes from the fifth chapter of Mark. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any more, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, But the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged begged Jesus earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by the demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. In 1973, the band Pink Floyd released an album called Dark Side of the Moon. It was a theme album, one of the first of its kind. It revolved around a theme that could be called the human condition. It dealt with issues like money and greed, conflict, the passing of time, mental illness, and death. It was on the Billboard Top 200 albums for almost three years. One of the tracks, Brain Damage, still gets pretty frequent frequent playtime on classic rock radio stations. It was apparently inspired by the band's relationship with the group's founder, Sid Barrett. Barrett struggled with mental illness and drug use that eventually led to his ouster from the band. One of the verses goes like this. The lunatic is in my head. The lunatic is in my head. You raise the blade. You make the change. You rearrange me till I'm sane. You lock the door and throw away the key. There's someone in my head, but it's not me. I often think of that song when I read some of the demon possession stories in the Bible, especially this one. There's someone in my head, but it's not me. We in this 21st century struggle a bit with the notion of demons. On the one hand, we would likely conclude that this man had some form of mental illness. 
Today, he would likely receive antipsychotic medication. But at the same time, we use the term demons pretty easily as well. We say that people who struggle with things like addiction, mental illness, and the effects of past trauma are battling demons. It's like we sort of innately get that although science leads us to understand mental illness and other ills, dif Ills differently than in Jesus' day, there's still something that makes the word demon fit. Even with depression, I know from personal experience it can feel very much like something foreign, foreign has invaded your mind. This story reminds us that there are still powerful forces in the world that work against what God wants for us. For many of them, we can give good scientific and medical explanations, but the experience can still be quite demonic. The story also reminds us that Jesus is always for us and that Jesus' power can overcome those forces. The story itself has so many layers, we can't cover every angle, but ultimately it's a story of Christ's power versus the power of evil. People are often bothered by the fate of the pigs. I mean, what did they ever do to anybody? But there's some symbolism here that helps us make some connections in the story. First of all, the demon-invaded pigs perish in the sea. The scene of the pigs going over the cliff and being swallowed by the sea would bring to mind an image from Israel's past, an image of Pharaoh's Egyptian army perishing in the sea as the Israelites made their way to freedom. But in many ways, Egypt really stands for all the forces that keep God's people bound, whether it's in literal slavery or slavery to an addiction or mental illness or money and possessions or an impossible physical ideal or any one of a number of demons that still plague us. The Israelites never saw the defeat of Pharaoh's army as anything short of God's victory over evil. Next thing to look at is the name of the demons, Legion. A legion was the name for a Roman military unit. It was roughly equivalent to a division. A legion typically had about 6,000 soldiers. 6,000 demons set up shop in this guy's head. A whole legion of demons perished as the pigs were swallowed up by the sea. Perhaps this symbolism gave hope to a people under an oppressive regime. Maybe Jesus could conquer even the evil of the Roman Empire. Thinking about those ideas, this story is the big story of God's victory over evil writ large on the world stage. The reign of God, the kingdom of God, will not include oppressive human powers that keep anyone from the life God wants for them. That's good news about all the societal evils we're plagued with, racism, sexism, greed, violence, sex trafficking, and so on. But the story also comes down to one man. What's heartbreakingly absent from this story is a joyful reaction to his healing on the part of his fellow citizens. Nobody seems to be happy for him. The swine herds and the owners of the pigs are undoubtedly upset about the loss of the pigs. That's a huge economic hit. The people are afraid. They'd gotten used to the demon-possessed man being as he was. What would happen now? What would it mean to try to bring this man back into the community? Defeating evil spirits, defeating demons, comes at a cost. Were the folks in this story willing to pay that cost? Defeating evil disturbs the status quo. And although the demons left this man, the forces of evil still want Jesus out of their country. He's too upsetting and his power too frightening. This story helps us see maybe a bit how the societal demons in our own time and place resist and push back. When one reads the story of African Americans in this history, racism is the demon that just keeps fighting back. Each time new rights or new freedoms have been won, a powerful backlash has developed. 
when the cost of upsetting the status quo seems too high, where it impacts us, suddenly we're not so sure defeating evil completely and for good of all, good and all is what we really want. We are always inclined to divide the world into good people and bad people, but it doesn't work that way. Gradually, we begin to see that defeating evil is much more complicated than we thought. We are all created good by God. We still all have that goodness. But there remain powerful forces that lead to evil, and we are all vulnerable vulnerable to those forces. Maybe you've had the experience of doing or saying something that was totally out of character that hurt someone you never wanted to hurt. You too might say, along with Pink Floyd, there's someone in my head, but it's not me. Surely something demonic possessed Nazi Germany when nearly a whole nation stood by as six million Jews were murdered. Before it all, one assumes they were rather ordinary people, created good by a God who loves them. Social scientists and psychologists devote their life's work to understanding mental illness, addiction, and the late effects of childhood trauma. They look at brain chemistry and neural networks. Those studies have enabled treatments for illnesses like this one, like the one this man had. Scientists work to understand the motivations behind violence against others or against oneself. They study what happens when a crowd moves from peaceful to violent and what happens when a nation practices genocide. Most sociologists and psychologists would likely not use the term demon for any of these things, at least not in the biblical sense. But in the end, that probably doesn't matter. Jesus has still enlisted them in this fight against the demons that plague us, both individually and as a people. We have all had our own demons. Growth and faith and spiritual connection keeps them from being in charge of our lives, but they typically don't go away. It remains part of the human condition that there's someone in our head that's not the real us. Our task in prayer and spirituality is to recognize that demon and let God shrink it and maybe even cast it out. So what controls you? What keeps you bound up and stuck? What's keeping our society bound up and stuck? What's in your head that you know isn't who you really are deep down? Is it a demon that keeps telling you that you're not good enough, that nobody loves you and never will? Demons of hatred, prejudice, envy, greed, fear, low self-esteem, all of them left unchecked contribute to a lot of human misery. Often those demons hide behind layers of self-righteousness and self-justification. We hide them as best we can, even from ourselves. I tend to think I'm pretty spiritually fit. Once in a while, all of a sudden, I'm surprised by a thought that's hateful or bigoted or judgmental, and I can feel like there's someone in my head, but it's not me. When we begin to fight our demons, it can be surprising how hard it is. Like the healed man's fellow citizens, we find we've gotten rather used to them. The cost of change may seem too high, and we're pretty content with the status quo. Well, the first step toward conquering our demons is to name them. Honesty about the demons in ourselves and in our society is a necessary step. Jesus calls you to name that thing in your head that's not the real you, just like he got the demons to say their name. But then Jesus goes beyond naming. Jesus also sees the real you underneath the demon. Jesus sees the beloved child of God who was created good, who was created in God's image. No matter what we have done, no matter what demons we have been influenced by or continue to be influenced by, Jesus sees you, the real you, the beloved you, and Jesus works continually throughout our lives to send those demons packing. Amen. For your prayer time this week, I would invite you to reflect on those things that that you would consider demons in your life, whether it be 
an illness or a, uh, an addiction, um, emotions out of control, hatred, greed, envy, all of those things that can, that can sometimes make us feel trapped. Um, so I would invite you to, to spend some time reflecting on that and name those demons as a beginning to uh, uh, reduce their power. I would also invite you to pray for the demons, uh, the, the seemingly demonic effects of things going on in our world and um, in the political situation. Thanks for joining and have a blessed week.